Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. Hello everyone and welcome to a What A Night part of the 90 Men Podcast Network. God, that we've just talked about something very funny off air that I can't bring up. Apologies uh, for my chortling away there. Uh, a big hello to Jude Summerfield. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. <laughs> you, look, you look like you've been scaped in one way or another. Mm. <laughs> you have been... Yeah, I'm just streamlined and all that. Mm. Yeah. Dude's had a wonderful wonderful trip man. He looks he looks ravishing. Look 24 again. Jude has had the minute media glow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's let's not talk about that. <laughs> Hunter Godson, that was your Hunter Godson's voice you can hear there. How are you mate? All right? Yeah, very well mate, very well. Enjoyed my nice long weekend. And then two mighty fine owners of Cats, Sean Walsh, your cat's making a break for it out the window. <laughs> She's going up on the window still. She likes to have a nice view of her kingdom. Cool. And Dan Kilpatrick, we haven't seen your cat arrive into the Zoom just yet, but I assume it's any minute now. He'll be around, mate. Yeah, yeah. he's in his igloo right now. Stalking. Shaking <laughs> <laughs> his igloo. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a little, um, a little kind of igloo bed that he sleeps in. That promotion, it, suddenly so much money to just throw away on your cat. Other oh, cat beds are available. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It sounds like product placement that we've got going on now. <laughs> I know that the sponsorship of this pod is really taking off, isn't it? Um, so uh, a really good win for Spurs yesterday. What a treat! It was so nice. I have Sunday. to be honest, Hunter. Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Sorry, God. Yeah, we're podding on Tuesday. On Sunday. Sorry. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. It's just not. Like, I'm just. It's just so. It's just so nice to enjoy watching Spurs play that. I, I watched the whole game with a smile on my face, with one exception that we'll come on to later on. But um, Hunter, how much joy did you get from watching that Spurs performance? Yeah, it was just, it was relaxing, wasn't it? It was nice. From 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 the get-go, it was, it was just, uh, it, it was an enjoyable experience and that there has been a finite amount of enjoyable Spurs experiences this year. And so 
I think as many Spurs fans are, you're sort of just trying to forget about what's come before and just try and enjoy the last few games of the season. And if we play like that in the remainder games, it's like, yeah, I get that's fine. That's nice. You know. Yeah, it was lovely. Jude, did you enjoy it? Bet you didn't even have to go for a run yesterday. You have a rest day. <laughs> uh, well, I did go for a run because I've still got some pounds I want to shed. So, you know, gains and all that. Still got to get out and do the hard graft. <laughs> um, but no, it was great. They just, um, Ryan just stuck all the, all the big dogs out there and they just got after it and it's exactly how you want to see Spurs play it was it was brilliant and we got a we got a look at Basque as well Dan we did yeah or Shag we're back yeah I'm so glad you did (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna let our listeners down I know what they want (laughs) the listeners yeah yeah, it, it is great isn't it and that's exactly what I expected Mason to do when he got the job to kind of play the crowd pleasers and and also the let's face it the Daniel Levy pleasers as well you know mm. the, the players the club kind of wants to see playing and did want to see playing under Jose and yeah I just feel like I'm sure we'll come on to it but the more kind of Bale plays the more that's going to look like a a mistake not only for most of the Mourinho era but also we have to say from Mason not playing him against City in the final which which you know if, if we're going to talk about Bale regrets then I think we have to talk about that one as well to be fair but definitely yeah I'm sure we'll come on to that surely just before we go on to the the good stuff um like it, it, just aside from everything else it was a real joy wasn't it watching the team just start on the front foot yeah you know start on the front foot um we're, we're gonna come on to the pressing and some of the individual performances and I can't remember if I mentioned this last time but it's nice to be able to watch Spurs and feel good about a win and not have to worry about the long-term prospects of the unpopular man in the dugout. Have you, Shawnee, have you watched back the highlights since? I, ha- I have, but it's only available on Sheffield United's YouTube channel because everyone else is doing the boycott. So, <laughs> so it's true. Like, it's like, on Sheffield United's YouTube channel. <laughs> it's like, it's so got like a million views. It's like their most viewed video by absolutely miles. <laughs> and they got a two-minute two video. The first minute is like the only two half chances they made in like the first yeah. few minutes, which didn't even trouble us. Yeah, they're just and the clips of Argos, like they're cut really finely, so you hardly see the assists in any of them. This so is it's just like it's just the ball going in basically. Classic. No, I, I would I would encourage Spurs fans if you haven't already done this, and I'm sure lots of people have because there's millions of views on it. Mm-hmm. But go and check out Sheffield United's versions of the highlights. I think they include a shot that from Sheffield United that went out for a throw in. as as a a highlight and then it cuts to gareth bale just on the edge of the box for his second goal just smashing it in it's so like it's so sad because i sort of what's annoying right is when you get when you some of the performances we've had this season i haven't wanted to watch any highlights for a week (laughs) i wanted to be so far clear of 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 highlights of the back of us losing to liverpool or chelsea for example this one you want to bask in that for the whole week. We've got a full week until the next game. Like I want to be all over that. Mm. And of course, for the for the right reasons, we're um backed out on, on social media. Um, but I am I'm, I'm sort of now ready. I've watched back match of the day two again, just for a bit of the for a bit of that. I've watched the Sheffield United highlights. I went on the club website to watch the highlights there. I went back to the dark ages of dial up to go and watch some content on a dot com. Um, so yeah, it's been brilliant. Let's, let's, let's talk through the good bits, the bad bits, ugly, the beautiful. And we've got to start with Gareth Bale. So Dan, you kind of alluded to it there, but there's a little bit of me watching yesterday that felt 
It was like bittersweet. So I, I loved seeing him banging that hat trick, but it made me think, have we been robbed of a few more performances like that this season? Yeah, I think that's it. Like every time he plays well, and it's been the same kind of all season, really. You just can't help but feel like, what if? And I think yesterday was was the kind of perfect example. I mean, it's kind of natural to start looking forward and think, oh, you know, if you finish the season strongly, you know, maybe he'll be back at Spurs next year and and maybe, you know, we'll, we'll have this for, for more like 38 league games. But then you also can't help but kind of look back and think there were loads of games. I mean, not least those all those games with the, the 20 points dropped, right, where you just think if he'd have been playing more, I mean, could almost be home and dry in terms of the top four. I mean, the gap to Chelsea, it just isn't that big. Um, and the amount of kind of silly points, you know, particularly kind of after Mourinho dropped him post North London derby at the Emirates, you know, you think those Everton and Newcastle games where it was pretty much just Kane and and 10 people who, who weren't that interested, you, you think, you know, had Bale been been involved in them and you know just one moment of quality might might have turned those sort of one points into three and then you know suddenly it's looking a lot better isn't it so yeah I, it, he was he was really good and he just another reminder of his enduring quality he made all the finishes look really easy didn't he which, which is what great players do I mean especially the second one where he just kind of unnecessarily spanked it into the top <laughs> corner um so yeah it was it was really good to see and and yeah I, I kind of echo everyone saying that you know even if he's just going to kind of help Spurs beat the the bottom half teams next season, then that's still, you know, he's still going to prove great value for money if um if they can get him back. And he has yeah, I love... no, go, on, go for a shot. Go for it. Go for a shot. Uh, all right, if you insist. And yet like that now takes his tally to nine Premier League goals. And that's uh more than Mane, more than Cavani, more than Jesus, more than Grealish, Foden, all these guys. Like you just think He's probably, well, probably ended the season on double figures of goals, but you just think if we could have had Kane's probably going to win the golden boot, Song could even come second. If we could have had a third player who could have stretched to maybe 14, 15 goals, then it's just, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a bit, it's just, it's, a bit, it's bittersweet. Yeah. Mm. Which is kind of what, what everyone was, you know, what, what we were saying for, for months, you know, this, this first squad is not perfect and, there are clearly big flaws in it that, that Mourinho inherited, but there are kind of three players up there and enough firepower around them to just have a great season or have a good season, just relying on those guys and, and just kind of playing on the front foot. But, you know, it never really happened. So one of the things that I wanted to touch on here, and I think that, that Gareth Bell sort of definitely, definitely plays into, um, something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Hunter, but it's this idea of kind of, Tactics being on one hand, but also just the, the the sheer fact that you've got wonderful players on the other. Sheffield United, we'll, we'll definitely talk a little bit about later on, but they were poor. Mm. But Spurs going forward were were brilliant. And more often than not, when you have better players, it should be enough, right? To just be able to lean on your players that are outstanding to get you over the line. Yeah, I mean, I think in this instance, we're not talking about better players. We're talking about world-class players against abjectly average players I think when when you take Wilder away from the Sheffield United side who had them all playing well above their sort of their pay grade you know people were surprised they even made it into the Premier League then you say right okay Bale, Son and Kane arguably three of the best forward players in the world and you just let them go out and do their thing 
I mean, that's what you're going to get nine, nine times out of 10. There is, there is an argument that we haven't been playing to our strengths. Uh, in fact, we've been playing very much to our weaknesses, which is sitting deep and defending and, and hoping that it pays off. Um, but I think you're right. Yeah. And it, it, this and the rest of the games this season, I think it is a matter of we are going to have one of the best, three of the best forward players in the world on the pitch. And we should just be able to just say, right, we have better players. Go out and make it happen. Um, that being said, I do think we really played to our strengths at the weekend with with Delhi. Delhi pressing quite hard the pitch, which we know that that's where his strength was. You know, there was a a massive sort of myth within the Tottenham fan base that Delhi Ali was quite a lazy player. It's just not not true at all. He he set the tone a lot of the time. He started the press. He was often the highest player up the pitch, and we sort of saw that at the weekend. It was nice and. Things like that, things like we saw loads of Alderweireld sweeping balls, especially in the second half. He was picking people out for fun. It, it just felt like all of those strengths that Pochettino had built up, Mason's gone back to them. And it, I think we said fun at the beginning. That's what it was. It felt fun. It felt like a return to what we're good at. Jude, I'm, I'm interested to know what your, your take on, on Gareth Bale's performance. What were you going to say a little bit earlier on, mate? Uh, I was just going to just pick up on the second goal and just, um, do you remember when Luis Suarez scored against PSG when he, he nutmegged David Luiz and then he didn't need to put it in the top corner. Like it was, it was totally unnecessary for him to curl it like right into the stanchion, but he did it anyway. Just like the touch to get away from Basham that just sets him up to strike it right into that top corner and the little like, chink of the oh, of, so of the nice. net oh it's, that was lovely wasn't it? i've listened to it just over and over again this morning it's so delicious um <laughs> when the ball yeah, sticks but... in the top corner it is incredibly satisfying isn't it where it holds so nice. for like two seconds um yeah, yeah. have you heard the noise the that suarez makes after that goal before dude? <laughs> 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 have you ever no, heard the noise he just that's what i was saying he just runs away and goes <laughs> that's what I was saying on our WhatsApp group with the R2D2 vibes. Oh, he yeah. literally, sound, oh, he literally sounds like a droid. It's crazy. Sort of goes really close to the camera as well. But it was exactly the same, right? He didn't need to whack it that far in the corner. But that the the fact that he's been so in and out of the team and yet he can finish like that three times. And earlier on in the season, Spurs fans were having to deal with the heat about Gareth Bale playing against all sorts in the FA Cup and the League Cup, etc. And people saying, oh, we can't even do it here. It's just like it was so far wide of the mark. And you now think, I want to put it in this section because I do think it's a good thing. It's, it's allowed me to get uh, a bit overexcited and a bit unnecessarily buzzy and start looking at the fixture list and start working out where I think people are going to drop points and where sort of like, oh, Chelsea got a tough run in. And what if Leicester have dropped points by the time we play them on the last day of the season? Has anyone else done that? Have you done the predictor yet? Yeah. Kind of all, <laughs> What's the predictor? All the remaining games. I haven't done it. Right. So I, <laughs> I mean, I, ours look pretty good though, don't they? Yeah. It's like Wolves, Leeds, Villa. Villa. Leicester. And then Leicester on the final day. Those three games are... They've, they've got to win those three games, man. Mm. If we don't, yeah, that's fair have enough, to. right? If, Leicester have Chelsea, United still play as well. Leicester have Chelsea and United and Chelsea have Leicester, Arsenal, uh, City. Can, we not, got forget, can we not forget Moisey, lads? This is, Moisey! <laughs> <laughs> this is disgraceful. So Liverpool, oh, Liverpool got still got to play United. So that kind of, what's really great for us 
I mean, if you take aside again, we should park the idea of anyone being injured during any sort of protest is an awful thing. But the fact that the game was called off puts an enormous amount of pressure on Liverpool Mm. in terms of fitting in an extra game with less recovery time at the back end of the season. Um, And and then having to play Man United, if Liverpool drop points against Man United, Spurs have got it in their hands to to finish ahead of Liverpool equally. If Leicester drop points um, and we're within two points going into the final game of the season, it's just a bit exciting, isn't it? And I feel like this is something that Ryan Mason, not single-handedly, but just having him in charge, go on, Dan, it, it sort of makes you sort of dream a little bit, you know? What I think we should say is that if you could literally handpick two games for a rookie manager to play in the league, you would pick Saints and Sheffield United at home, I think. <laughs> Pretty much hands down that those two I'd say should, Saints have been in free fall since um, November pretty much or certainly mm. this year and obviously Sheffield United are by far the worst team in the league so mm. just yeah just to kind of caveat the excitement with that and then increasingly I kind of look at that and you sort of wonder if the cup final is a bit of a red herring if the club actually just looked at those two fixtures and thought you know what if we're going to make a, a late push for Europe here and give um, a new manager or, or Mason the best chance, then these are the two games that he can you know, build up a bit of momentum in. And that's, that's kind of borne out. And you know, both those teams are, are just so low in confidence. And Saints showed that in the second half. And Sheffield United, you know, once they made one mistake, they made kind of five in a row. You know? yeah. and it was, um, so, but I do think Mason deserves a lot of credit for changing the style effectively and so quickly. But I also think... You know, Leeds is going to be a whole different test to, to those two teams. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about Sheffield United because they're they're occupying the bad section for us this week. They they had an absolute stinker, didn't they? I, I think Dan sort of nailed it though. It was it was a case of they were doing all right, and but then as soon as one mistake came, it was like right, we're all panicking. Every ball into midfield looked panicked after that. Every ball from the centre-backs to the central midfielders, we won nearly every... So we turned it over so often in that position. Uh, and then they had, again, after the half-time, they had another, like, 10 minutes where they're like, right, we can we can do this, we, we can play football. And then the first mistake came and it was the same again, but they were really, really poor. And the fact that the second bell goal, where he sort of runs through... The fact that it could have been one of like five Spurs players and there's only two Sheffield United players in the screen it sort of tells you something about where they are uh, mentally, probably in terms of, well, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run a, the full Hunter, length do you, of the pitch. Do you remember like peak Usain Bolt during races? You used to have time to sort of look around either side <laughs> of him to see just how far ahead of the competition he was. The fact that Gareth Bale was allowed that long to he just go like, like he had about four and then he slowed down like massively slowed down uh, but then he whipped it whipped properly whipped it top bins but yeah like like I said before I think I think Chris Wilder got this team overperforming massively um and I, I still disagree with him being dismissed I think that was a terrible decision but you know you can only beat what's in front of you. They beat Brighton last weekend, who uh, who uh, were incredibly unlucky. I'm not, not going to say that. I watched that game as well. It was a, it was a travesty that <laughs> Brighton lost that game. But um, yeah, Sheffield United, as Dan said, are are by far the worst team in the Premier League. And, and so we do have to take it with a pinch of salt. 
Yeah, I sort of went back through their results um, last night because I was like, maybe I should just, before getting too carried away, maybe I should have a look through their results. It, it, it's not pretty reading. Like you sort of forget, <laughs> you sort of forget how bad they've been. It, it, almost everyone has spanked them. Like I mean, I, I got to seeing Arsenal beat them three 0 and then I was like, I'm turning this off. If if, <laughs> if Arsenal beat them three 0 then I'm not mm. having that. Um, but equally, at the same time, Andrew, you're right. Can only beat what's in front of you. Um, we're going to come on to talk a little bit later about some of the post-match comments. But just before we do, let's talk for the ugly. There was a really grubby challenge, Sean, from um, from Fleck on on um, on La Celso. La Celso, I thought had, had been like making a mischief of himself as always, and good fun to watch. Um, that to me just was completely unacceptable. Is there any other way to read that one? I can't believe that for all the stuff VAR have looked at this season, all like you even go back last week, the Balbuena thing where he's cleared the ball and he's caught a Chelsea play on the follow through and he got a red card for it. All the kind of stuff they slow down and they examine like every frame of it. That's the one where they decide, nah, that's that's okay. Him Fleck stand standing on Lo Celso's face with enough force that the studs may penetrate his skin. Yeah, that's fine. I I couldn't believe it. I thought Mason spoke really well on it afterwards. And obviously he comes from a place where he's very aware of head injuries and, and that, you know, the, the careful nature of them. I, I thought he was, he was rightly damning in how hard he went on in it. Because it, it, if you watch it back, you don't even have to watch it in slow motion. That's the thing that got me is that you can watch it in filter and it looks like he comes over his shoulder. He can easily step to the side now. And he comes down with quite a lot of force onto his head. And it, it just was one of those that... It, as as Sean sort of said, it's the inconsistency, right? It's what we've said all year. But to not even send the ref over to the monitor to go and have a look for himself suggests that that was in no way dangerous play. And I, I, it was kind of, it was a bit sickening because it was a really, really, it looked like really nasty. Uh, so, I, I mean, he, he'll probably say he didn't mean it and God, maybe he didn't, but really it looked terrible and... Uh, yeah, I thought Mason did a really good job of sort of battering him after the game. I just don't know how they get to these conclusions at Stockley Park. Have they just got like a wheel of fortune just in there and they just spin it every time it's something to look at? And just, yeah. No, it was absolutely. I mean, we've all played football, so you know, like sometimes somebody trips up in front of you, you know, you can just jump over the top of them or swerve to the side, and he doesn't. And whether it's intentional or not, it's just rubbish it's rubbish yeah. behavior i think that's a good point jude a, a lot of the time you know you can sort of throw your body you can fall over to avoid doing mm. that you can you can avoid treading down um it, it just yeah i didn't like it maybe feel a bit sick you know i've had i've had two injury head injuries in my life where someone's done similar things to me and i just thought oh you bastard you know you can you could have avoided that um hopefully he's all right he looked quite comedy with the big thing on it the big thing of ice strapped to the side of his it's head. like a novelty cartoon <laughs> thing <laughs> but, good, meme, good meme material good meme material but uh yeah. i think i think he's all right but yeah it's one of those that you know alex ferguson said he could have who was what was that when he said he could have been killed yeah when, when that person got the ball booted him or whatever could have killed him, him. If that, those stats land in his eye, you just never know. I just thought it was uh, unnecessary. I think yeah, the, the bit that got me is like, I mean, firstly, there's there's something genuinely laughable, right? When you have that thought process in your mind where you're like, well, I, I know because I've played 
that you can avoid that. And then people said, you, you've played, have you? And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm not trying to say that. Um, but, uh, but equally, the fact that he lands on his shoulder first, mm. like you, you, you can, that was enough. Like you've already got your studs into his shoulder. You know what you're doing from then on. And it just is, it, it sucks that it was the same VAR that had the issue with uh, Bob Wayne. <laughs> well, it's just Wayne, like, yeah. come yeah. on. It was almost like, Sod's law, wasn't it? it could, Not like, to defend <laughs> it in any way, but can you imagine how annoying playing against Lascelles? <laughs> <laughs> I literally love him. I love him so much. But you know, not he annoys Tottenham's fans. Fucking right. Right. We've Harriet, needed. He? Like he's constantly. He's all like elbows and yeah. Kind of he leaves them in so often. Things. Can I ask people's favourite of all time? Favourite Lacelso annoyance of all time? Because I know mine instantly. Yeah, I think I know mine. I think we might have the same one. Is it Dinya? Oh my <laughs> word. Yeah. If, Spurs fans, if you get a chance after this pod, look up Lacelso winding up, winding up Luca Dinya. It is so wonderful yeah, he's just about to take a throw in and he just won't stop flicking him he's just, <laughs> oh, flicking, yeah, him. I remember just that, flicking him yeah. over yeah. and I'm over, and over. That. that sounds amazing it is incredible it's, it's about it it's great. about a minute and a half straight of him just w- won't leave him alone oh my just God, sort of great. flicking his arm and just like pushing him around it's just wonderful I mean um, until he's until he stamps on Fabregas's hand casually he'll never be at the moment <laughs> 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 until he tries to literally gouge Diego Costa's eyes out he'll never be Moussa Dembele to me yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's got a long way to go hasn't he it's a long yeah. path ahead um so just to, just to finish up um on the beautiful Sean you wanted to kind of just touch on the narrative around the club um because it I, I think it is quite nice that we finish games and then you don't immediately have the kind of pregnant pause where you wait on ice to see what way we're going to all shift or what way we're going to be moved or or kind of almost like chess pieces moved to a certain narrative it's quite nice isn't it after the game to be able to just focus on the result yeah, it reminds me of that old Rio Ferdinand quote where he's talking about like Messi and Ronaldo. He's like, just enjoy it, man. That's what, just, that's what I'm like now with like the Southampton win and the Sheffield United win. Just, just trying to relax and try and enjoy the end of the season. Like, I don't think, I think it's good that we're as far away from the top four, like where we can kind of get it, but we're not expecting it. And we, it was almost like, you know, when we were leaving White Hart Lane and if we had beaten West Ham, then it would have gone to the last game at the lane and we still would have needed a win to like keep the pressure on and stuff. Yeah. And it was like we didn't we didn't really want that hanging over us. It was nice to have that kind of weight lifted so that you don't have to think about that. It's nice to be able to go into the end of the season. Like I know the fans are planning a protest in the coming weeks and whatever, there's all this kind of tension, but it will be nice for the last couple of games where there where there will be fans back in the stadiums just to be able to, you know, see Bale, Kane and Son all together for the first time in person just yeah, just trying to, t- to see the good stuff because there's been a lot of bad this year and there could still be a lot of bad to come. So you just got that's why you got to enjoy it while it's here now. So two two final things that we need to discuss on the pod. Firstly, um really interesting uh, piece that you you wrote, Dan. Did you write this? Yes, you did, uh, about Eric Dyer's um Eric uh, an interview you did with Eric Dyer about him responding to criticism, um, saying that he felt that perceptions of his performances run fair. Do you want to kind of give us a steer on on sort of what the the wider context was? Yeah, I mean that's there's not much more to say really. I mean we, we had a 
quick phone call afterwards because Spurs tend to put a player up um, to speak to the to the papers afterwards. Um, and he was spoke about Bale and, and Delhi, and then he spoke a little bit about his own <coughs> form. And he, he just said he felt that the, the perception of his performances had been unfair. And he was quite clear to say that he wasn't, you know, talking about anyone individually. Um, you know, Not you, Dan. Not you. Yeah, he, he didn't say uh, <laughs> the standard. Oh, I, I mean, he didn't. He didn't want it to be, you know, a, a dig at Jose, effectively. Mm. But, right. You know, Clearly someone who is aware of the, the kind of narrative, whether that's from kind of social media or whether, you know, he does you know, read um, kind of papers and news websites or, or whatever. But, you know, he clearly knows that there's a perception, you know, rightly or wrongly, um, of him as having a, you know, pretty airstream season. And he, you know, he feels that that's not, that's not been fair and that generally he's kind of been solid. I think he said, you know, he felt like he had a good few months, had a, had a, slight dip and now he's had another good couple of months um so yeah i mean difficult i mean i guess my view is that i don't you know i don't really want to judge any of the center halves um on what on what kind of we saw under Mourinho too often because i think you know the tactics were just ill suited to them we, we know that eric dyer is, is kind of not john terry i mean i think that's fair to say but i also think he can be you know, he can be a decent Premier League centre-half. You know, whether he'll be the required level for Spurs in that position, I'm still genuinely not sure. Um, but I think, you know, there have been encouraging signs in the last few games with, you know, him and, and Toby back together. Um, I think their rear guard against City was 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 pretty impressive. Um, and they couldn't really be faulted for that defeat in, in the end. Um, so, yeah, that, that's his view. I mean, what, what do you guys think? Is he right? Is he wrong? I think that you, you sort of you kind of got that spot on there, Dan. In terms of the ability to judge centre backs at uh, in in that style, because I mean, I don't know, Sean, how much you looked into the the goals we conceded. I know you you followed almost with a microscope our our performance levels and how we were getting on, but it definitely felt like. Dyer and Alderweireld or whoever was partnered at the in the centre back positions that was another thing that we probably should discuss the fact they changed every week but they were being thrust into a position where they at times they were having to defend for 45 minutes straight and eventually yeah. cracked yeah I'm trying to be as lenient as possible in that it's been a really tough season in that sense and there's been so much kind of changing at the back like Mourinho would go through these spells of freezing players out of the team for pretty much no apparent reason um, but I do also keep in mind that I just don't think Dyer's ceiling is that high anyway and I do think we have already seen the best centre-back in that kind of run in the autumn and like obviously we've, we've said like the more pressure you invite the more mistakes you're going to make but I do think he's just that kind of centre-back anyway like he's not he's not amazing on the ball like whoever it will pick a good pass every now and then but even the other day like he was the one that gave away a sloppy ball to Sheffield United in the first half like I don't think he's that amazing I prefer him in midfield I know he prefers being a centre-back but I don't think he has what it takes to be our starting centre-back going forward there's a I don't know whether you guys have this but there's a little bit of me that that remembers that Eric Dyer that was kicking lumps out of Chelsea and was just this warrior in the DM position. And I know he had the illness off the back of that, but that's the kind of, 
that's the romanticized image of Eric Dyer I've got in my head. I'm not sure it's a cultured ball playing centre back that I think of Hunter. I don't know whether that's kind of like fair or unfair. I think you, whoever was playing, uh, who who was he playing alongside in that central midfield too? Well, it would have been it would have been Wanyama or it would have been Wanyama or Dembele exactly. So I think a lot of the time you're getting bailed out by two really brilliant central midfielders, and I genuinely think whoever Musa Dembele played with, he made them look ten times better, and their job was twice as easy as 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 when playing with Eric Dyer. And I think you'll remember whenever Dembele used to come out the team, we used to suffer massively. Um, so yeah, I don't. I'm I'm sort of with Sean. I think for me with Dyer, it sort of comes down to comparisons to other English centre backs, and I sort of think: is he better than Tarkovsky? Is he better than Ben Mee? Is he better than Lewis Dunk? Is he going to be? Is Ben White going to be better than him? And Konsa, uh, Mings, and I think he's you know he's middling within them. So. Uh, and uh, although maybe I think uh, all of your points are right in that it's been a bit of an, a mess for the defence generally this year and they've they've never really been able to build uh, a sort of connection. Um, there's been a lot of individual mistakes and you sort of think about the Chelsea penalty, losing his man, losing his man in uh, for, for certain crosses into the box. I think he does have to take some... You know, you can't just pass that off to someone else and say, my, my performances haven't been that bad. There are individual moments where it was just about defending. Yeah, and I, like, I mean, in going into the final few games, I think we can absolutely do things like the way we played against Sheffield United to mitigate against those circumstances that might involve us making a mistake at the back. I think we just, like, like we said at the top of the show, we're a far better side when we're on the front foot and actively going out and trying to score more than the opposition as opposed to make less mistakes because we've seen this season Spurs have got a mistake or two in them. Um, to finish it is, up... So we were 1-0 up at half-time and then the players didn't regress... <laughs> oh. <laughs> just oh, a dream that's yeah that's one of the nicest things after the game we come out and we talk about oh pushing on in the second half and then as as sean sort of mentioned there's no narrative there's no we don't have to mention like Mourinho coming out and making it all about himself somehow it's just like it's a good win for the boys well done this is what it used to be like i think <laughs> roll on the champions league yeah. Yeah. right <laughs> L- last thing we've got to speak about because it just as we as we came on air was um the supporters trust uh, making another statement. Has everyone had a chance to read the statement? Yeah. Now, it, it, I, I sort of, I mean, everyone can go online and I'm sure this will do the rounds on, on Twitter today. Um, but it was basically a six-point statement from from the trust. Um, the, the, uh, a lot of the points they, they touched on on a, on a previous statement as well. Um, but the idea is to sort of give supporters more of a voice um, and to voice their opposition to the current board and ownership. Um, they've invited the club's owners to meet with them to implement the six-point plan above, but I believe I'm right in saying they've turned down the opportunity to meet face-to-face with the current executive board or, or, or to have meetings between the Supporters Trust Board and the, the club's board uh, at the moment. So I, I really want to just kind of open this up to the floor because everyone's been impacted in one way or another by the European Super League. It, 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 it For all of us that consider football a part of our identity has forced us to all question a lot. Um, what have you made of the of the statement, Shawnee? I'll let you go first. What have you made of the statement? And kind of what have you made of the Supporters Trust position 
um, since the, the Super League? No, I'm completely behind them. Um, they went on the fighting cock last week and I urge listeners here to go and listen to that back as well because they spoke really eloquently about the kind of issues at board level and like, because we know for years that they've had meetings with Daniel Levy, Donna Khan, whoever. And it did just kind of feel like it's it's their kind of way of trying to hold them to account. But what the thing we've just realised now is that while all that was going on, Spurs were always scheming for the Super League. They didn't. They thought they had the fans' best interests at heart. They clearly don't. As a businessman, Levy Levy should know more about like his audience and his and the supporter base. And um, I know I mentioned the protest coming up like I am interested to see what it's like because after the United one I do think there's gonna be a sense of maybe one-upmanship from everywhere and I've, we spoke off about the, the context that United was brewing for a while but I do wonder what it's gonna look like properly mobilized not on the internet kind of stuff sorry go on go on Hunter were you gonna jump in there no I was just basically gonna echo what Sean said I think I think the six they've made six points, haven't they? And I sort of I was sort of sitting there nodding my head for all of them. But I, I mean I think they've been punchy. I don't imagine many of these will come to pass, uh, however much we want them to. It feels like a, a more German sort of system of fan ownership within the club. And um although I think we'd all be massively on board with that, I just don't see how I don't see how that comes 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 around and that that might be naive from my side dan you might know more about that than i do uh am i naive uh i don't want to say naive you know i think i think the supporters trust have done have done this the right way you know they, they didn't knee jerk into massive calls as soon as the super league news broke they went to their members i think they had the biggest ever meeting of members either in person or online they said on I think the Friday night after the Super League had been born and died, and they got a mandate for this position they're taking. You know, they got their members to vote on a motion to to remove the board and, and implement a new board with fan representation. Um, I mean, I think in terms of today's statement, a lot of it was was reiterating what, what they've already called for. You know, something new was that they said they think any fines incurred by the by the club relating to the Super League should be paid directly by Enic or by the owners, not by the you know, not from club coffers, which I think you know makes makes sense to me. You know, mm, this, this definitely. decision made by the owners, you know, there there were many people at, at all six clubs in senior positions who, you know, did not know that this was going to happen. This was a you know a conspiracy by by you know six ownership groups rather than by by six clubs really so I think that point um, you know would would seem fair to me and make total sense and I think just in terms of the meeting there's inevitably going to be people unhappy that they're not taking up Levy's offer to meet I think what they've said really is that Levy's offered a board to board meeting which is the usual way these the two bodies interact they have quite kind of quite kind of formal board to board meetings where they'll lay out minutes. And they'll go through them, and then, and then, you know, both parties will go over the minutes, and, and they'll publicly kind of release them um, after a few weeks. And I think they've said, you know, that they don't want that arrangement. They don't want business as usual. You know, they want to meet with the the owners effectively. And you know, remember, Joe Lewis isn't on Tottenham's board. 
Um, mm. You know, he's not he's not a member of the club's board. Um, so you know, they're they're really seeking to to change the way they engage with the club and look for more, I guess, more kind of direct accountability from from the people, you know, who who they perceive have have betrayed the fans and you know put them in this position to begin with. Mm. It's interesting over the course of the weekend, Jude, watching the way things played out at United. Um, and there was a lot, rightly or wrongly, there was a lot of criticism of the United uh, protest. And I think possibly one of, one of the things that I'd flag is the fact that, they, as I said earlier on in the pod, there is no reason for anyone to be violent or for anyone to come to harm. Having said that, if there was close to 10,000 United fans there peacefully protesting... Um, we are actually seeing a wave of football fans take ownership of of the ability to stand up and and make a statement and and kind of have their voice heard do you think it's because of the european super league or do you think that it's because people have been waiting and been almost a little opportunistic with this i think it's it's probably a, a little bit of both um football is is massively political obviously and the topic of ownership is sort of rearing its ugly head at the moment and you know Tottenham as an institution does need to reflect um the area that it that it's situated and that involves you know engaging with fans more and making sure they have a voice in the club um and I, I'll be honest I, I absolutely love the scenes at Manchester United mm. I thought it was great that they got out and they they made their voice heard and they got a game called off. You know, I know on Sky, they, you know, we have people like Graham Sooner saying, you know, oh, it's just because they're not winning trophies and stuff like that. No, it's not because of that. It's because they have a massive problem with how that club is being run and how they've sucked money out of the club. And if like people like the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust, they want to see changes, then they've got to go and, you know, get out and do that. And, uh, yeah, just absolutely one solidarity, brother, with all those, with all those <laughs> <laughs> get a comrade, sickle, yeah, get the sickle out, yeah, hammer and sickle. Exactly. Uh, hammer and sickle. Uh, I think I think the Premier League have to play some some responsibility here because the way that they whipped people up uh, during the Super League chat and afterwards, sort of saying you need to get out there and make your voice heard, make people realise that we don't want the Super League. We need we need the, to protect the football pyramid here. Now people are doing it. Now this is how people are doing it, and stand although... on the grass. Yeah. Though. <laughs> and now the United... <laughs> That's the problem. That's and now the, the United, United, United one is 16 years in the making, as we know. You know, it's been naive to say that that it's, it's you know, overnight fans sort of saying, oh, "We're not, we've not won the FA Cup this year, so we we want a different board." It's it's you know, it's been long term the menu, and so so is this Tottenham one. You know, it's been a, lot, a, a long time without trophies for a club like so. Tottenham is unacceptable to the fans and, the, and you know, we went 500 days without making a signing. But, you know, things aren't perfect here. So things need to change. One to absolutely keep an eye on over the course of the next few weeks um, and we will do and we'll be back as ever um, looking looking ahead or looking back at what, uh, the games from the weekend. Um, make sure you keep across the socials as well. We're back on social. Check out all of the guys on there. You can find them in the description. Um, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a little review or rating, it'd be very much appreciated. And we'll be back again, hopefully, at the back end of this week to preview a really big weekend where Spurs mount their massive charge towards the top four. We'll catch you next time. What a fool.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.